You're listening to the Arctic Circle podcast. In this episode, we listen to His Excellency Bárður Ásdegut Nielsen, Prime Minister of the Faroe Islands, discuss the Faroe Islands in the new Arctic. The Prime Minister's speech is followed by a Q&A with the audience, moderated by Ólafur Ragnar Grímsson, Chairman of the Arctic Circle and former President of Iceland. This event originally took place at the 2021 Arctic Circle Assembly in Reykjavik, Iceland. Dear President, dear colleagues, ladies and gentlemen, I'm delighted and honored to be here. This is a unique and important event. It highlights that the challenges we face are not only Arctic, but also global. By including a multitude of stakeholders from outside the Arctic, this event also reminds us that collaboration is important if we are to be a part of the solution. I was invited to speak about the role of the Faroe Islands in the new Arctic. Sadly, Arctic news these days is rarely good news. The challenges are many and they are diverse. The climate crisis is the primary challenge faced by my generation of world leaders. Nowhere on the planet is that crisis as evident as it is here. As an ocean nation dependent on nature for survival, we too bear the brunt of the climate change. The sense of urgency to act is stronger than ever before. But we have several forums dedicated to agreement and action. I was here when the Arctic Council agreed on its first strategic plan for the Arctic in May this year. The United Nations Conference of the Parties will begin in a few weeks. I will be there in person, and I am both eager and hopeful that results can be achieved when we gather in Glasgow for that critical event. This Arctic Assembly is another forum where we can share ideas and where we can bring about effective action. The new Arctic also presents us with geopolitical challenges. An increasing number of states and actors try to assert their political and economic influence on this region. Our vision for the Arctic is one of peace, prosperity and cooperation. Governance must build on the fundamental principle of the rule of law. Dialogue must prevail, compliments to Iceland for working towards such dialogue through this formidable platform of cooperation. It is vital that we look for the balance between building economic prosperity on the one hand without compromising our environmental capital on the other. Placing equal value of on growth and maintaining a healthy environment is not mutually exclusive, they are mutually supportive. So 
we will create value for our society without damaging the ability for future generations to do so, our children and our grandchildren. The business community shares this vision. In September, a group of Fairways companies launched the Fairways Sustainable Business Initiative. This involves a commitment to follow scientific recommendations to reduce their emissions by at least 50% before 2030. The resourcefulness shown by our business community is a clear indication that growth can happen and should happen despite aiming for a greener future. Earlier this year, I established the Forum for Sustainable Growth. It includes people who represent the political system, unions, employers, municipalities, and business interests. The goal is to preserve Pharaoh's welfare and way of life, but to do so in a sustainable way. Our definition of real growth is simple. Unless economic growth is sustainable, it should not be considered as growth at all. The forum has identified six areas with potential for sustainable growth. One of them is the green transition, which is critical in the pursuit of a sustainable future. Renewable energy sources, sources are abundant on the, in the Faroe Islands. Strong wind, consistent ocean currents, and tides. With an existing network of hydropower from mountain streams and lakes, and from increasing number of wind turbines converting other sources of natural power into affordable green energy is a top priority. Our challenge is to provide a secure supply of electricity while using fluctuating energy sources such as wind and water. Numerous projects are ongoing, solar power, biogas production, offshore wind energy, power to X, pump storage, battery systems, and tidal energy. These projects show that the Faroe Islands can provide an ideal setting for small but full-scale testing before new ideas and technologies are scaled up for the larger markets. The proportion of green energy on the national grid is growing, soon providing up to 65% of the total electricity production. The goal is 100% renewable energy by 2030. We want to be the tip of the spear. Innovative green and blue solution can be tested and developed in the Faroe Islands. We have already been a testing ground for energy solutions, but we want the green transition to go far beyond energy production and consumption. What about the ways we export and import goods? What about digitization? What about tourism? In every form of activity, there is a potential for sustainable development. This is the central idea behind the Forum for Sustainable Growth. Food 
is vital to all human life. The Faroe Islands is a significant food producer, and so we are compelled to be smarter and greener in our production, production, export, and import of food. We discussed these issues at our site event, Food Security in Original Perspective, on Saturday, 5.30 p.m., and I invite you all to join us there. The ambition to strike the balance between building thriving communities and supporting a healthy environment also compels us to cooperate. The Faroe Islands have participated in the Arctic Council since its establishment in 96. Central to our strategy work is to advance strong partnerships across the circumpolar region and beyond with everyone committed to a sustainable Arctic. We seek economic cooperation because economic drivers for sustainability have an enormous and untapped potential. We look for scientific cooperation because it's the most effective way to smart solutions, and we welcome cultural partnerships because understanding each other and our different ways of living helps us build strong, lasting relationships. And we seek political partnerships because diplomacy and bilateral relations are critical to all of the above. I want to thank Arctic Circle for this platform. Thank you to President Olav Ragnar Grimson for the invitation. And I applaud you for setting up this event despite the difficulty in gathering a host of people from different parts of the world under the same roof. Together, we can all be a part of the solution. Thank you. Thank you for your attention. Thank you, Prime Minister. For those of you who are not from Iceland and the Faroe Islands, uh, <coughs> we, are, we are brothers. We are brothers. And uh, when I was growing up in the Western Fjords, uh, the fishermen from the Faroe Islands were the only so-called foreigners. Yeah, my grandfather saw. was there as well. Yeah, indeed. indeed. <laughs> and the Arctic Circle has been very grateful uh, to the uh, authorities in the Faroe Islands for hosting a, a forum in the Faroe Islands, Arctic Circle Forum, some years ago. It was an extraordinary success. I believe it turned out to be the largest international gathering that had taken place in the Faroe Islands so far. And as we saw on the map that I put on the screen uh, in the dialogue with First Minister Nicholas Sturgeon, we are seeing the reality of what I call the North Atlantic Arctic Corridor of shipping and airlines and trade and, and uh, cooperation emerging in our territory, which would have been unthinkable when I was growing up and playing football with the Faroe East fishermen that came to the Western Fjords. And the Faroe Islands play a critical role in the creation of that corridor. And I have been impressed in recent years to witness how you have been able to to conduct what I call almost an independent foreign policy of the Faroe Islands with uh, 
commercial office in Moscow while the rest of us were imposing sanctions, <clears throat> doing, if I'm correct, free trade agreement with, uh, with Turkey. And uh, building up uh, the harbors in the Faroe Islands for the fishing fleet and the others, and, and making your country a kind of a servicing station for economic activity in the northern part of the North Atlantic. So my first question to you is really this. Uh, how do you see in the next five or ten years, if Scotland starts coming more actively into this cooperation, you, you see what Iceland is doing. We also listened to the, to the minister from, uh, from Greenland earlier today. The governor of Maine in the U.S. was going to be here with a big delegation, but was prevented because of COVID from, from coming. How do you see the actual practical role of the Faroe Islands in this growing business, transport, communication relationship? Yeah, I can see, I can see it as uh, a part of the... Uh, we will see more activity around the uh, Arctic with the new sailor routes, uh, east and west, uh, and... Uh, we see a lot of opportunities. We are a maritime nation, and we have been, you know, sailing around the world uh, for a century now. So, so we we can see a lot of opportunities still to build out the harbors in the Faroe Islands and have even more services in the Faroe Islands and the shipyards and other services up to the maritime business and so on. And also, we can see that. Uh, the last years when uh, the activity around Arctic and the interest around Arctic is uh, growing, we have also see a much higher interest about the Faroe Islands and in the Faroe Islands for all countries or, or the world. So, so we are looking into a uh, time of new uh, opportunities in the Faroe Islands. No doubt about that. Great. So let's see. <coughs> yes, here. Please. Thank you, Mr. Chair, President, and uh, thank you, Prime Minister, brother, for being here. Good to see you. My name is Stefan Jon Hafstein. I'm working for the Ministry for Foreign Affairs <coughs> in Reykjavik, and I have uh, the title of being the Special Envoy for the Ocean. I also happen to be uh, chair of a new Blue Food Alliance, which was formed after the Food System Summit of the United Nations in, in uh, September. I'm sure you know about that and the Faroe Islands participated. Now, this Blue Food Alliance is now working on identifying the most pressing issues regarding sustainable blue food, aquatic food production and promotion to better feed the growing world population. From the perspective of the Faroe Islands, what would be the most important issue by this international alliance to promote and to advocate for a solution to? So what is, number, what is the number one problem for the Faroe Islands in terms of blue food production and export? Thank you. Yeah, uh, thank you. As I see it, uh, we have... Uh short transport to the European market, for example, that's a huge market. We also have short transport over to uh, the States, and uh, therefore I believe that 
our possibilities in this blue ocean uh, uh, discussion is uh, that that we can have a very we have uh, the fish production in the Faroe Islands very healthy and should be sustainable as well. And also, when it came to the to the salmon farmers, they are quite. Uh, I would say almost front-runner in to make the production as uh, green and as sustainable as possible and they have a goal to be uh, down on zero in some 10 years from now. So, so I think that, that we can, we can uh, still have a, a growth in our farmer production and we also still have uh, the possibility to be a, a food producer to deliver more food uh, to the closer markets, that's the EU market and so on. That, that I think, because as it is now, we are uh, exporting a lot of our fish products, healthy food, long and far away from the Faroe Islands, especially Russia and China and uh, in Asia, and also we are, have some export of the salmon over to the States and so on. So, so I think that we can, with uh, better uh, agreements, uh, trade agreements and so on to the closer markets, we will be able to have an even more blue ocean sustainable uh, trading in the future. Great. So, any more questions? Anywhere from the hall? Yes, please. Yes, uh, my name is uh, Martin Gumst Jons, and I'm 23 years old, and I'm a representative of the Barnes Regional Youth Council, and I'm from Norway. I would like to ask the question um, uh, to one of the world leaders um, in terms of policy. What should be done to include young people more in the decision-making process? Because after all, we are the young people that have to live with the pros and the cons of the choices that are made today the longest in terms of maybe creating a youth council that can advise the Arctic nations on a youth perspective on how to make great policy for future generations. Because after all, young people are not only the future, we are also here now. Thank you. Yeah, I would say the easiest way is to uh let them be in the parliament at least, and uh, we are that happy in the Faroe Islands that we have uh, quite young people in the parliament, and, and they, then they have, uh, or their view on the world is a big part of the discussion, especially in the sustainability <coughs> and uh, the healthier and uh, the green transition and so on. So their focus is on another place than the older politicians, and I think that is uh, giving a lot of uh, uh, positive dialogue uh, between the young uh, politicians and the older ones, uh, but uh, your suggestion to probably to have some other functions for the younger people and have <coughs> contacts up to uh, this Arctic Circle, for example, and so on, that's also a way to go, but the best way to go is that the young people will vote the young people into the parliaments around, so, so, but that's not that easy, I know that, but that's the way it should be done. And that's the right way to do it. But otherwise, you could uh, make some other yeah, uh, solutions that you have the young people in close connection to the politicians and the decisions maker around. Well, it's also interesting that at this assembly, we have a record number of young people participating. And uh, 
Uh, in this questioning part of the opening session, <clears throat> a vast majority of the questions have been put by, by young participants, which I find both positive, encouraging, and also very interesting. So I, I want to thank all the young participants who have actually carried this question time in a meaningful way. Uh, it's, it's, it's rather regrettable that the older participants remain silent and don't really ask any questions. So if it wasn't for these young participants, <clears throat> this would not be as democratic and open and critical as it should be. So thank you very much, Prime Minister, for coming and giving us this speech on the far right.